Hey, everybody. Uh, this is from Justin McCain. I'm Mike. And I'm Bob. And this week, we have a very special episode. Um, it is October. It is spooky month. And we have a lovely friend on named Julia, who is a resident uh, horror expert mm-hmm. and friend. Uh, say hi, Julia. Hi, Julia. No, <laughs> hi. Nice. Hi, everybody. Nice. What an honor to be here. Uh, Mike, can you... Tell uh, the canines, that's what we call them, Julia. Oh, fans, cool. All 20 of them. Yeah. Yeah, we gave um, them that name and no no, <laughs> no person has self-identified as such. But they haven't refused it. Nobody said, don't call me that. They're just yeah, saying precisely. that's their name. We don't ignore worry. all public comments and emails, but nobody has refused it yet. Excellent. Um, but let's let's explain why uh, Julia's on this episode and what movie we're doing, Mike. Uh, for Spooky Month, we're going to be changing things up a little bit. We're not going to be doing two movies as we usually do. We're only doing one this week, and it's a it's a scary movie or a horror movie or a creepy movie, depending on your perspective on the film, um, or a gross movie, or a gross movie. Yeah, <laughs> repulsive film. Yeah, yes. Wow. So, some people call it that. Just some gentle so, body horror, Bob. Chill out. Uh, it wasn't that gentle. <laughs> Cannibalism is intense to watch. Spoiler alert. All right. All I right. know. Here's the thing. I didn't read anything about the movie. I just literally hit play and uh, woof. It, it was a wake up. That's for sure. That's good. Yeah, it was. That's really, the power of cinema. Yeah. I love when that happens. When you walk in knowing nothing and then sometimes I just, I only have posters to go off of. I'm like, ooh, it's a mm. rainy day, and there's a woman with her coffee looking wistfully out the train window. Could be about, you know, it could be a rom-com. Could mm-hmm. be about zombies. Who knows? But Or cannibalism. Yeah. Or cannibalism. Yeah. You never Who knows? Know. You never freaking so, know. So we thought it would be fun to have Julia on as a guest for this podcast because the movie we're talking about is 2016's Raw, directed by Julie Ducourneau, a French filmmaker. It's a little body horror film that explores uh, veganism, and it's set at a veterinarian school. And I thought Julia would be have some interesting takes because Julia is currently in veterinary school and is a vegan. I'm not in vet school yet. Oh, not yet. But yeah, you're working learning. your you're way learning. to being in veterinary you're, yeah, you're school. I'm pre-vet. Pre-vet, mm-hmm. yeah. I don't know pre-vet. anything about love that. veterinarianism at all, so... Well, it's a way of life. I thought it was like a two month diploma, but I'm I'm mistaken. It's it's medical school. It's intense. It's medical school, except for you. Instead of just knowing one species, you have to know nine. And only nine. That's a lot of species. Yeah, because there's barn animals and pets, small companion animals, and then depending on whether or not you specialize in exotic animals, that could be a totally different set of animals. Exotic hmm. meaning like zoo animals, you know. Will will you be specializing in in like uh, pets and companions as well as farm? No, well, you That's choose one be of your three. Thing? So I, my choice will definitely. Well, at this point in time, I'm like I really want to be a companion animal veterinarian because I mm. really like dogs and I really like cats and I love the human animal bond. That's kind of a big thing that's drawing me to to become a vet. So I think that's probably the best way to to do my work is just to to see. You know, a, a person fall in love with an animal and learn to communicate with them until the end of their days. I think it's so special. Do you think uh, dogs and cats get like a huge percentage of uh, veterinary attention uh, relative to the rest of the animals on the planet because there are companions? I think so. Yeah. 
but yeah, um, they, they a couple out. of yeah, for sure. But um, one of the vets that I'm kind of chatting with just about the career, she said that she's seen an increase in patients such as bunnies and lizards and whatnot, and she's had more patients in the last few years that are rapid rabbits. Sorry, I was a uh, lapidophores is the family for rabbits. And they come in for like regular teeth sharpenings and and other things like that because they have ever-growing teeth. So you need to have them dulled down unless they're out in the wild and consuming things that would otherwise do that naturally. So Hmm. that's like, it's it's weird. It's a dynamic field nowadays because, you know, 10 or 15 years ago, we didn't really care that much about pets and animals. And by don't really care about, I mean, you know, it was more uh, common for people to say, oh, my dog is sick. I'm just going to put it down instead of what well, my dog is sick. What can I do to to help it? And pets have kind of come more into family member uh, roles in, fam- in families, family member roles in families. They're becoming more part of the family and uh, people are willing to spend more money on pets. So there's mm. been an increase in the types of, of animals that do come in and the longevity that you have with each animal. So it's really beautiful. Soon they will usurp us all. Yeah. They're going to take yeah. over. They take over the family unit first. Yeah. Terminator was all wrong. It's going to be small dogs and cats and <laughs> birds and bunnies uh, taking over the future. And then you'll have to send back somebody to defend uh, somebody from uh, like a parrot being sent back to the past from the future to kill the spawn of somebody. It's going to be a whole new franchise. Very exciting. Very it's exciting. It's going to be a spider's web. Oh, truly. Would the same person, Julia, like a vet would work on a dog, like have a patient that's a dog, a patient that's a cat, a patient that's a bird yeah. and a bunny and like a snake? You could. The yeah. same person? Mm-hmm. Snake might so when you be say... reaching in exotic animal territory, but I feel like, yeah, for the most part, like a bird, dog, cat, gerbil, hamster, rabbit. Right. Those are all the same kind of companion animals. Oh, okay, right, right, right. Okay. What if you live wow. in what if you live in a country where the animals that we consider to be exotic are very common? Uh, then, would they be called exotic animals over there or would they just be companion animals like if you like a house hippo? Yeah, thing, I think right? that would be a companion animal. I think <laughs> I think that counts as companion. Okay. Yeah. Would you work on a hippo? Oh, absolutely. I would love to. I don't know if I'll get to. Maybe. Oh, that'd be great. Yeah, what's your what's your like uh, what's your dream? What's oh. your dream animal? <laughs> I love. I don't know what my dream animal is. I love them all, Mike. I love all if, of the animals if, in the world. But if you had to like just pick, just to, like you don't have it doesn't have to be like your favorite favorite, but just like mm-hmm. oh, this would be a fun thing to learn about and to oh. I guess dissect at some point. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I think like in terms of most interesting, giraffes are really interesting because mm. they have a really complex. Cardiovascular pump system to get blood up to their brain against gravity because of their long necks. So, how mm-hmm. fascinating would that be to yeah. learn how to uh, deal with them and handle them? Some animals are. Sometimes you look at an animal and you're like, "That's a friggin' Pokemon right there," you know? Yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh boy, and that's not oh, even the shit. original 150. Now we're talking no. the the new fangled ones, which I'm Whoa, learning all about because yeah. I'm playing Pokemon Black. Currently? Currently. Got on five the DS? badges, baby. Yeah, on my DS. Oh, wow. Yeah. You're, you're not playing on the Switch? You're playing on the DS? Yeah, I got a DS, not a Switch. Games thing. still come out on the DS? I don't know. I have it from ages ago. I bought it when oh. I was younger. 
And oh, I see. Had the, I think Jess and I were just like, let's get back into Pokemon. Like, I don't know, three years ago. Yeah. And got he got Pokemon White and I got Pokemon Black so we could trade. And it, I didn't touch it for three years because I have this Kirby game and I'm really into Kirby. I love that. Oh, yes. Yes, yes, yes. And um, yeah, so we just kind of got into Pokemon now over quarantine. And it's been it's been a hoot. I've been having so much fun, but I don't know any of the Pokemon. They come up and I'm like, I don't cool. know what type you are. What, what do I battle you with? Uh, <laughs> it's too much. Much stress. How many are there in Pokemon Black and White? There must be not like that many. Now we're at like a thousand or something. To the point, I think the latest game they scaled it back, and people were really mad because they were like, "There's so many Pokemon that I like that are in the the top like 1100 or whatever. I don't want there to be 700 Pokemon again." Yeah, I in, in my Pokedex, there's only room for 150. Oh, okay. Wow, that's good. So yeah, I, once I combed through, I was like, "Oh, that's a manageable amount." Yeah, I, I'm a purist. I come from the blue and red era, and I, uh, I can't imagine trying to remember anything beyond the 150. And also, yeah. the original 150 are basically just like, you know a bird? Here's a bird. Yeah. You know here, a seal? This is a seal. It's just like, these aren't really mythical creatures. Yeah, but these Pokemon in this game, it's like, it's really fucked, Mike. It's like, there's an ice cream cone Pokemon. It's called like oh, Vanilla yeah. or something. That's right. Yeah, that's right. I've heard about this. There's also, a, in one of the oh, games, fuck. there's a... There's a keychain. It's just literally a keychain. A floating keychain? Like, yeah, I can't remember what his name is, but Ugh. it's uh, one of the stupidest slash best ones. Yeah. There's also a dog that just paints, and that's his whole thing. Smeagol or Smeargur? Smeargur? Smeargle. Smeargle. Yeah. Smeargle. Sounds right. <laughs> just, say, just say the syllables. This is a super smooth segue slash I'm genuinely curious What's the veterinarian game like in mm. the Pokemon universe? Like, does one veterinarian, do we know this? Is this canon? Is there any literature on this that I like a veterinarian only does fire it. Pokemon? I don't know what the spe- species are. Like, there's like fire, grass, water, yeah, those rock, are types. Er, slash earth types. Okay. So would one individual go like, I just work with uh, rocky guys, <laughs> and another one's like, I just Onyx, deal yes. with with the the the, the flamey types, mm-hmm. and then another one is wearing a snorkel, and it's like, I just work with the water ones. Mm. Is that a thing or? Yeah, like the gyms are specialized, highly specialized. So you'll have a gym that's like, I only like fire Pokemon, so you best bring. Oh. You Do know. they have in-house medical staff? Well, what are the names of the clinics, the Pokemon centers? It's focus centers. That's yeah. like the clinics, I guess. Yeah, those are the vets. And the thing is, like, uh, you just pass over your ball, and then she puts them <laughs> on a magical scale, and then they flash, and then they're healed. What the fuck? Yeah. Are you kidding me? So no, there's no, I'm like, scenes? I literally know nothing about this. There's no scenes of, like, open surgery, like, no. my fucking Squirtle's going to die Although I think it needs a heart transplant. I watched the Pokemon cartoon back in the original 150 and I seem to mm-hmm. recall there was some like there's this nurse character that she would come come and go and uh Nurse Joy maybe was her name I think. Anyway, I feel like there's a couple of ep- episodes where a Pokemon was seriously injured and she had to go in and you know, you know how in anime they draw like wounds by like hatching little little spots on the body mm-hmm. and they're like, oh no, they're wounded. Or they wrapped <laughs> bandages around a part. So that was, that was, it was implied, but I didn't see any surgery. Yeah, because they don't necessarily die. They just faint always when they get beat up. That's right. 
And like if, to be a Pokemon vet, you got to be like working hard or <sighs> overtime, like because they're just like, that's the whole thing. They're just getting beat up constantly. Yeah, maybe that's yeah. why the Pokemon centers work as they do, because it would be too much. Yeah, and like I, we try to, you try and find out more in the game, but when you talk to the person at the center, they just say the same thing every yeah. time you ask them a question. So it's true. Although in this game, there are doctors sometimes. You'll run into them in like areas where you'll need to, like a cave or a desert where you won't have access to a Poké Center for ages. Mm -hmm. Then there's like a doctor that if you beat, usually it's a him. Uh, also, everything is gendered in this game. So it's like nurse. Dave, and then it has the little male symbol or whatever, yeah. and Pokemon are gendered. Everybody is, except for this one Pokemon that's just two gears. Right. And it's called Clinky or Clink or something <laughs> like that. Anyways, you know, if you beat a doctor, then they offer to heal your Pokemon anytime that you come by them. So it's really handy in caves. It's weird that the, in the game, it's weird that in the game that the Pokemon, like the, at the very beginning, literally Dr. Oak or whatever the guy's name is at the yeah. beginning of Professor. the new ones. Yeah. Um, is like a doctor, I think. I guess it's more of an academic. I think he's an academic. Yeah. Okay. Never mind. Because I was going to say, if he's a doctor, then he he's basically like, hey, you got to get into Pokemon. You got to like go and make your Pokemon fight. But it's like, why does this guy, what stake does he have in making you make Pokemon fight. But maybe there must be some sort of like, like they must get a huge payout or something. Like he wants to, he wants these Pokemon to get hurt just so he can make some money. Oh, well, maybe. So they can fix them. Or maybe That's there's sick. some. That's disgusting. Yeah. It's like disgusting. maybe it's, it's like privately, <laughs> it's like privately owned prisons, but in the Pokemon world. Oh, yeah. Uh, so listen, this has all been very valuable information. Oh yes, of course. For me and the listeners. Um, but back to veterinarianism slash uh, veganism slash uh, horror films and the month of October. Uh, just before we get into Raw, uh, Julia, are you into to horror in general as a genre? Oh, yeah. Big time. Okay. Big so time. name, name, name. Like, what, what's your top five? Like, what, what do you love oh. watching every year? Any habits or um, traditions, rather? It's different because we I, I love in watching horror at all times of the year. And then sometimes mm. we try to only watch horror movies in October, but because we watch them throughout the year, it's not quite like a special thing. Um, however, we make a point to watch the Adams family every mm -hmm. year. though so I don't Ooh. call that a horror. Um, but seriously, when we're talking about like top five horror, I think I really love Midsommar. Just been watching it over and over again recently. Nice. And by that, you know, it's a it's a heavy watch. So I don't really mean over and over again. I mean, like <laughs> once every Just, two or three It months. ends and then you're like, I'm going to start that again. <laughs> Rewind. Play. Ooh, I love the part where the old man hits his head, head hits the yeah, rock. I love that part. Just like making dinner and your laptop on the counter is just midsummer, and you're Constant. just like sauteing some mushrooms. You're yeah. like, I'm just I'm just casually viewing this horrifying film. Just, just wearing, wearing your bear onesie. Uh, yeah. It's actually a Star Wars onesie. Oh, oh. no, I get the joke. Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> Please edit Oh, that but up. we know that you wear a onesie now. Yeah, I have a onesie. Um, and then I feel like there's more traditions when it comes to Christmas time because there's a few uh, horror Christmas movies that we really like. Black Christmas is on my top five, which is Ooh, one of the... Yeah, yes. I mean, you two probably know all about it, but it was the original... Um, I would say the precursor to Halloween and in a sense what I've heard and I have not confirmed this through fact but that it was a movie that was created with the with 
or, you know, Carpenter was looking to create Halloween as like a, let's go by seasons and seasonal horror movies and themes to that effect. And then Black Christmas came out, but he had somehow released Halloween before then. So he kind of jumped the gun where one, I'm doing a really bad job of explaining this, but a lot of people think that Black Christmas was supposed to be what Halloween ended up being in terms of like trajectory. Mm. Um, I really love it. It's like when I, I saw it at first in a theater. So all of the like claustrophobia of just being in that house and having somebody else in the house, like the, that's where the whole, the calls coming from inside the house originated that film. So that's right. Yeah. Yeah. That it's really effective. It was, it really hit me hard the first time I watched it. So it's a favorite that we watch every year. Um, Mm -hmm. And then, yeah, other traditions in December is Krampus, which I love more and more every year. (laughs) Oh, Krampus is a good time. Yeah. That movie is fucking fun. It's never seen it. I've never seen it. Yeah, a lot yeah. of people say how bad it is, but I truly think it's it's a, a fun romp, great character, like creature um, design, I suppose. And mm-hmm. it's it does a good job, I feel, of like not showing too much right away, kind of paces it, which is really nice. Um, and then, yeah, I we also, oh yeah, every help, sorry, I'm jumping back and forth. But in oh, no. October, we often watch Trick or Treat, which is an anthology film. That's right. I don't remember who directed it, but uh, is it? It's the live action film, right? Yeah, it's a live action with the little pumpkin person. Yeah, Sam the yes. pumpkin. Yes, 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 yes. That directed movie's fun. By Michael Do- Dougherty, Dougherty, Dougherty. Well, no, we'll never know. We'll never know. That's yeah. there's no way to confirm that. <laughs> how, how to pronounce his name? But um, yeah, that's something we watch every Halloween, or I guess every October. Uh, I've kind of, I feel like I'm bridging between top five movies and traditional movies, but. Well, both, both are fine. That's like a, a great answer. And I mean, I just threw you on the spot, but, uh, I don't know that, that was like, that is a tradition. I literally have no Halloween tradition whatsoever. So, yeah. um, that's great. And I actually watched trick or treat with you like two Halloweens ago. And that was the first time I had seen it. And didn't we watch, uh, it's like an animated film. Yeah. Uh, the the Halloween tree yeah. or something. The pumpkin tree. What's that called? It's the Halloween tree. Yeah. That's something it, we watch R- every Halloween. Is it R.L. Stein or who? No, it's that? Ray Bradbury. Ray Bradbury. No. Right, right, right. That's fun, too. That's a yeah. great, like, family show, too. It's, it's great. It's family friendly. What I love about that film the most is that it, and what I love in essence about Halloween the most is that it kind of normalizes death and dying and that there is an end to life. And in that movie, it kind of, it does a really good job of just showing how different cultures celebrate death in their own little way, their Mm -hmm. unique way. So yeah, I really like it, even though it's, it gets to a point where you're like, Oh no, it's really sad. And then everything is fine at the end. It's, it's a great film. Great little ditty. Mm, Short guy. Yeah. Never heard of that one. That's a, I'll check that out. Yeah, I don't know. You, I, I've only ever watched it illegally because I can't find it anywhere. So I've just streamed mm. it or downloaded it and then watched it. Sorry. We've we've uh, we've watched our fair share of uh, illegal downloads for sure. Um, sometimes it's what you got to do. Got to do what you got to do. You know? Yeah. I don't. Yeah, I don't know. Is it illegal to watch things on Potato Vision? <laughs> What's Potato Vision? Potato Vision is those websites where you go on and you try and find a movie and it makes you watch, like, you have to click through 20 ads that pop up. 
No. And then, apparently... and then you click the the button, and you it buffers for five minutes, and then you watch the thing you're trying to watch. So apparently, no, like that. in Canada yeah, specifically, <laughs> yeah. there's like the federal like writing of the policy is very vague as to it's a it's illegal to download it. But if you're watching something that has been downloaded and is streaming for you, that's not illegal. Yeah. So no, I I think. Uh, in, in in your words, not mine, Potato Vision is perfectly legit. Frowned upon, but perfectly legit. Yeah, it's called Potato Vision because sometimes it, it's like watching a movie through a potato. It's the, so pixelated. So many pixels. Yeah, yeah. The pixels are the size yeah. of potatoes. There's no way to make the suffering better. Yeah. yeah. I'm trying to imagine yeah. what a potato television set would look like or how it would be built. Cathode Ray. Can you make a clock out of a potato? Like yeah. this electrical current in a yeah, because I mean, of its there's electrical current running through all of us. Oh wow! Time. What? Yeah. Wow, you are going to veterinarian school. <laughs> I don't think you do that science. <laughs> Didn't hear that. I um, winked. <laughs> uh, let, let's get into the movie raw. Oh yeah. Um, I watched it today for the first time and the last time. Oh, so it's I fresh. Was Horrified, super fresh. I don't know about you two. When was the last time you two watched it? Probably a while ago, right? For me, I watched it earlier this year. I feel like mm-hmm. it was pre-pandemic because I feel like Meg, I saw you at some point, and I was like, "We watched Raw. I have to return your DVD." Oh right, yeah, uh, yeah. Do you it's still have the DVD? Shoulder. Yeah, it's here. Oh, nice, nice. Uh, it's the Australian Blu-ray. Oh, there you go. Yeah, because I had researched that film, and I was like, "Oh my gosh, this is such a wild like." The director's name is actually Julia, not Julie. And what? then it's about yes. a veterinary student and it's about a vegan student. I was like, this movie's made for me. I have to watch it. I'm glad I did. Mm. But yeah, I still have your DVD. Mike's real chill about lending Blu-rays out. Let me tell you, I, I've sat on a few of them for a while. Yeah, you, you insist on sitting on them and they always break. <laughs> well, you know. you're just like this is gonna hatch. Another I'm just a one mother eventually. hen warming her 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 egg. Okay, and it happens to be a Blu-ray of Wong Kar Wai's In the Mood for Love or right. some other film. Deal with it. It's Sorry, strange man. how they don't build DVD cases to withstand the weight of a grown man. Mm-hmm. That is weird. Yeah, grown with human. a particularly bony butt mm. as well. You Indeed. Know? Uh, uh, I Bob, digress. Bob, would Let's, you mind? Um, Bob, would you mind summarizing or synopsizing the films for our listener? Or synopsizing the film? I, yes, I think that's a great idea. Um, I just need to figure out the lead character's name. Justine. Okay, so uh, the film starts out and Justine is being driven to veterinarian. What? What? Veterinarian school. Veterinary? I'm going to. Fuck that up and say veterans several times, but whatever. <laughs> but it's French, um, so it's le vétérinarien. L'école de vétérinarien. Yeah. Oh my God. I have a French last name and I'm not going to add to the uh, very competent French accents that just happened. <laughs> anyway, so Justine's being driven to school by her parents, who are both um, uh, well respected uh, veterinarians themselves. She comes from a long line of veterinarians. She arrives at school. Her older sister is in her final year, and her name is uh, Alexia. That's right. Question mark. Something like that. Alexia. Um, and uh, basically, as she arrives at school, there's like a frosting that happens. 
Um, all the first years get treated like shit. And then there's a really fun party. And that's where she runs into her sister for the first time. And then basically as the film uh, transpires, uh, what unfolds before Justine is she slowly feels tendencies towards cannibalism. It starts by during the frosting, she has to eat like a, a rabbit liver or heart, some sort of small internal organ. Kidney, I think. Um, and then she like gets sick from it. She gets a rash from it. But then that that's sort of the, the gateway to her then feeling a, a proclivity to eat people in human flesh. And then there is a scene where she has a little nibble of her sister's finger. And then we find out that her sister also has these tendencies and they're both into eating people. Um, by the way, when I watched this film, I had no idea what it was about and I, it was unsettling for sure. I was just eating my breakfast watching this film and I was very nauseous <laughs> the just whole having, time. Just chewing on a finger and you'll be like, oh, this is disgusting. I hate watching this. Uh, I hate watching other uh, people eat fingers, but for me, it's okay. Uh, <laughs> this is a bowl of fingers and like oat milk. You call it fingy uh, soup. Uh, And so basically as the the, the stakes raise her uh, Justine's reputation is sort of uh, just goes through a whole roller coaster of emotions in this school and uh, her her tendency to eat human flesh grows and her desire grows and so does her sisters and they end up like jumping in front of a car so it can crash so they can eat the victims inside of the car and then and uh like, and there's her roommate I don't know too, how, right? Yeah. yeah. So then, well, she has sex with her roommate and doesn't eat her roommate. But then the film ends. I don't know how much to give away. Fuck it. Whatever. I think you can just leave it there. Leave it there. Don't spoil it. Okay. It's 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 nasty business, and the stakes are high, and uh, it's it's a it's a it's a good film. I acknowledge that it's a good film, but. Oh. Um, you should know what you're getting into when you click play because I thought I was going to watch like a just a good time and it was, um, <laughs> it was it was horrible it was awful um, anywho so that's Raw 2016 it is a well made film and it's all in French it's got lovely subtitles get to beautiful uh, hear the beautiful French language it's uh, it's great but it's it's very visually uh, uh, gross it's a nasty movie it's filled with nasty business. Was there any things in the film that made you particularly disturbed? Well, yeah, actually the veterinarian scenes, like they knock out a horse and shove a tube in its throat mm-hmm. for an example in the classroom. And uh, it felt very reminiscent of the film On Body and Soul, which is a European film. I forget from where about a, a butchery, butcher factory, like they kill cattle. And it's a love story within this like cattle butchery hmm. and it was it, similar vibe because they just like are very pragmatic with how they frame scenes and they're just like we're going to show this horse getting knocked out with anesthetic and then they're going to shove a hose down its throat and then they're going to lift it with a crane and display it in front of the classroom and then there's like a dog getting gutted it's very it's a lot I mean it's visceral for sure uh-huh. um, so all of it was gross but to be honest eating a human finger was unpleasant yeah, they. She went to town on that fingy for sure. She she ate it like a chicken wing. Yeah, yeah, that's what I was gonna say. It's like I have a pretty solid stomach. Like I can see, I'm fine with a lot of body horror. Um, not everything, but a lot. High tolerance level. And that scene when she just like she kind of like sinks her little teeth and like gnaws on it and like 
It's the way that I oh. see people eat wings when they're just like getting yeah. those little scraps between the tendons. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, no. And that really, that really got me. That yeah. part alone was that like, because her sister accidentally cuts her own finger off. And then it's a huge like, oh, no, what do we do? Let's go to the hospital. And then she like faints. And then in mm-hmm. that moment of like finding somewhere to some ice or something to put the finger on, she just looks at it and she's like, well, what if I try it? And then. It was that moment where it was just a little bit grossed out. It surprised me. Yeah, it was during that time that I was like, oh, yeah, this movie's about cannibalism. I forgot. Yeah, totally. Because <laughs> I had seen it, I think, once or twice already, and then watching it for this pod was uh, was like, oh, yeah, this is what this is about. And that it's. I remember why I was disturbed by this film. Because mm-hmm. of all of the human eating. Um, okay, well, we, we should, like, chat about... What do we like about this movie? I mean, I thought that the the aesthetics were great. Like, I like the way it looks, and I think the mm-hmm. soundtrack is like an all time classic. Like the music soundtrack was fucking great. Yeah, it was solid for sure. Was it kind of? I can't remember the soundtrack. Was it like electronic kind of? Electronicy, organy okay. kind of thing. Cool. With it, it has like a, a harpsichord too. Oh, harpsy, <laughs> little piano. King Henry VIII's piano. Like, what was the statement of the movie? Do do we did either of you walk away and you're like, I know what Julia, the filmmaker, was going for here with this film. Um, I was I didn't. I watched some interviews with her, and so I know literally what she her statement is. But it, yeah, I, I, Julia oh. or Bob, if you have anything you want to say, like feel the guess maybe, or just what your own interpretation was. I feel like it was about. An unspoken desire for true self-expression in some way. Because mm. in, in, in one way, she's chosen this veterinary path and she is following through. But ultimately, like her parents have been vets. Her sister is also a vet. So there's that like obligatory feeling to it. And then mm-hmm. also like paraphrased or juxtaposed with her vegetarianism, which I feel like is a conscious choice. Unless, remind me, is it like a family deal that they're all It was vegetarian? a family thing, yeah. They're all, they're all vegan or vegetarians, and they're all veterinarians. A veterinarian. Veterinarian. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, and I, so I didn't watch it like yesterday or today, so I don't recall it, but I do remember walking away feeling like it was maybe an expression of expressing yourself and, and breaking away from what is put onto you because cannibalism is so opposite from vegetarianism. And I think veterinarianism was a gateway into having access to these tantalizing uh, things because it also meant, I remember, because I just kind of brushed up on the synopsis that her parents were also in the photograph of some frosting activities Mm -hmm. and they were like covered in blood. So they, it's implied that they also went through this, this hazing ceremony. So I wonder if, um, and then they clearly are not cannibals or I don't know, doesn't really tell us or show us otherwise that they are cannibals in their day to day. So we have to assume that like they were able to return to their sense of self because they kind of were dedicated vegetarians, veterinarians. That's what they're going to do. But um, Justine was different in the fact that she, there was something bubbling inside of her that wasn't quite right and wasn't quite her identity. And then Mm -hmm. that, um, you know, having the choice of, doing something completely 180 degrees from what she's normally been raised to do or been kind of like tunneled into doing 
and she's breaking away and you know it's about like uh, autonomy i think but i'm not sure nice bob yeah bob? That, was, that was great very articulate um it felt like a, a film about destiny and how mm. you can't escape it no matter how hard you try oh, even when everybody's trying for you um and especially about like familial heritage or mm. or like even your sort of genetic predisposition because the I don't want to give the twist away at the end. There's a twist at this end, end of this movie that I kind of have to use for my argument. I don't know if I want to give it away. Mm, um, okay. Yeah, well, fuck it. I mean, are people going to watch? Fuck it. I have no idea, Mike. Well, Julia. just say, hey, they, if you don't want the ending spoiled, don't, yes, l- don't listen here. for the next like two, two, three minutes. Okay, fuck it. Stop listening if you don't want to uh, hear the end of this film, which is a great uh, twist uh-huh. but the film ends so her sister is a cannibal she is a cannibal she goes back to school she's been uh, kicked out her sister's in prison for killing her roommate and she's sitting at the kitchen table with her dad and her dad goes um, I knew from the first moment that I kissed your mother what she was and then he unbuttons his shirt and below reveals massive uh, old lacerations that have healed up in this really gross way. So he's just covered in these horrendous scars. Yeah. And then he looks at her and says, I'm sure you'll figure it out. And it's just up to her. So they've tried their hardest to get her as far away from eating people as possible. I mean, she's full on vegan. The whole family's vegan. And then at the end, he realizes and uh, her mother realizes there's nothing we can do for you. You've already eaten people. You ate your fucking sister for crying out loud. You know, you you're you're a goddamn cannibal. Mm-hmm. Um, it's up to you now, and they all are. Obviously, the father isn't because he's from outside the genetic pool, but just feels like the film is saying you can't escape mm-hmm. your your fate, your familial fate. There is a, a cyclical nature to the demons that are in your family. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's um, a great way to put it. You know, yeah. Yeah, that's what it felt Shame like. About- and the ending was great. I hated the whole movie and the ending. I was like, nice work, Julia. Yeah. yeah. Filmmaker. Great. Thanks. Nice. <laughs> it was it was a solid ending, I thought. Really, really well done. Yeah, for sure. Cause then it also implies that the dad gives up what what um his whatever destiny is to be with this woman that becomes his wife, mother to his children. Yeah. Well, and he 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 like accepts her. Mm-hmm. For who she is too, and it literally almost destroys him. I mean, he's, yeah, he's physically scarred. damaged yeah. and scarred from it. Yeah, so yeah. it says a lot about family and about, uh, in a way, toxic relationships. Mm-hmm. Yeah, too, totally. right? And you're like, oh, I love this person; they're destroying me, and I'm going to keep loving them anyways because they're all I have, wow. kind of thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, what what did it actually mean? Well, first, I want to just flag something. Do you think it's weird that the the daughters would would not have seen their dad with his shirt off at any point in their life? Like they would have gone to the beach or something. What if he swam with the you t-shirt know, on? I guess yeah, so. Yeah, he might be insecure and he's rocking a t-shirt all the time. What I if guess he's so. extremely sun sensitive and he gets a rash or he tells his daughters, I get a rash when the sun comes out, so I got to wear a shirt. Mm, I guess decrease so, yeah. my exposure to UV. And do scars yeah, sunburn easier than just normal skin? A little bit, yeah. Are they... they react differently in the sun. So maybe that's well, another there, thing. She was like, got to protect my scars. Well, I understand that the filmmaker wouldn't have wanted to uh, put in a little monologue about, I know you haven't seen me with my, with 
without my shirt on. <laughs> I know that I, I said that I liked wearing a t-shirt because I'm afraid of, I'm insecure, no. But if they, yeah, that, that was the only thing I was like, yeah, that's kind of strange that this would have been the first time she saw her dad without a shirt on, but it's whatever. I actively avoid seeing my father's shirt off. So I, I don't know about you two, okay. but I, you know. I don't know. It depends on your relationship with Never your dad. Never been in a I hot mean, tub with your dad, with Doug? Or vacationing on no. the, in the pool? I have, I have. I've seen him with his shirt off, of course, but I do actively try to avoid it. Um, Doug, if okay, you're listening, I'm fair. sorry. Bob doesn't like you. Yeah, I love you, Dad. You're wonderful. You're one of my best friends. Dougie? uh, Dougie? I don't want to see you with your shirt off that often. Are we doxing Doug by saying his name? People can put two and two Uh, together. uh, No, it's fine. He he wants the, he he loves the limelight, that guy. Yeah, Yeah. he loves his 15. He's all about the limelight. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I love that guy. <laughs> so yeah, the, the filmmaker. Um, I watched a few interviews. She's talk. She talks about how um, first of all, body horror is kind of like a, an extension of the mind. She talks about how like the rash that the character gets is like a manifestation of like her own anxiety because she mm-hmm. goes to the mm-hmm. doctor and the doctor says, "No more monkey jumping on the bed." No, she goes to the doctor <laughs> and the. <laughs> Uh, I didn't see that coming. <laughs> also, when somebody says a joke and then they just say no afterwards. Yeah, I was going to say you bailed so hard on that. No, but, <laughs> oh, my God. Uh, no more monkeys jumping nope. on the bed. No. No, okay. no, I'm kidding. No, no. Ignore what I just said. No. Ignore what I just said. That wasn't real. That wasn't real. So, uh, no, she goes to the doctor. I and, didn't mean it. And the doctor says, no more <laughs> scratching of your, your little weird rash and no more monkeys on your bed. No. Okay, so she, so she goes to the doctor. The doctor is like so funny. The doctor Stop. is like it's probably uh, you're stressed or you're you're anxious or something like that. But yeah. like they're that basically pretty d- intense. Exploring about how your your like physical uh, your your body can manifest like things from your mind. Mm-hmm. So there's like that element of body horror to it. But then also she was, talks about how like humans. Like cannibalism is like a part of humanity. Like people try and say this is a taboo, but there are like documented cases of cannibalism. There's specific like groups of people who are cannibals. And like, mm-hmm. um, and she talks about how like we look at like dictators or we look at murderers as like these monsters. We try to make them not human, but they're still just, they're just people too. So I guess it's just an exploration of just how humans, uh, all of the terrible things about us, we try and uh, ignore it and say that it's a monster, but really, it's just part of being uh, a human, which is kind Categorize of something as Categorizing something as a monster makes it kind of easier to tuck Yeah, exactly. Away. So it's, it's easy for us to say, oh, you know, you know, so-and-so politician, because they committed this genocide, is a monster, therefore... Mm-hmm. I can look at them as this this crazy evil thing and, as opposed to just someone like me who just happened to get that job in politics and then got warped over time mm-hmm. by whatever force is warping them. Because although all the decisions are made by the head politician, there's many people working under that person. Yeah, exactly, yeah. Who are also humans and it's also the monsters. the system, man. The system is a monster, man. System's a monster, man. <laughs> Get me out of the system. I'm stuck in the cogs. <laughs> uh, what's the name of the cog Pokemon again? It's called um, Clink. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Clink. And um, I nickname all of my Pokemon. It's uh-huh. just fun. 
Um, there's a Pokemon called like Pharisee, and I called him Grick because mm-hmm. Pharaoh. That's a very, uh, very niche reference That's for all good. you listeners yeah, out nice. there. Delicious Pharaoh sandwiches. Yeah. Uh, this is a plug. This is sponsored by Pharaoh. Yeah. Hashtag ad. Anyways, and I named my Clink. I named him Kink. Oh, nice. Ooh, yeah. nice. Actually, this that's the only Pokemon with no gender. So I named them Clink. Mm. Nice. Yeah. Nice. Um, also, the movie, I think, has like a coming of age kind of thing because mm-hmm. the characters are teenagers. They're going to college. I think it kind of explores like a... Um, just the insatiable hunger that comes with um, growing up in Bane Hounie. Yeah, around all the hot people. Yeah. All the sexy and, hot people. And also like how her roommate was like always like, hey, I'm gay. And always mm-hmm. had to point that out. But then his like his his own hungers were kind of fluid too. Mm-hmm. And like that Absolutely. kind of changed and was it's like you just can't predict some sometimes what your desires are. And I feel like sometimes too in this movie, like she has her big sister to look up to and who's in a way kind of monitoring uh, what she does and how she grows up. Mm -hmm. Cause they're in that same range where she's almost finished, but she still has eyes on her younger sister, Um, which, you know, having had, or I'm the younger sister in the two and me and my sister would, we're just at the cusp where I would be in high school and she'd still be in junior high but in elementary school, it was like, you're always the one looking after your sister. You're always there to like check in on them. Or if they, if they jumped off the big thing in the, in the playground and they winded themselves because they landed on their belly because they were doing a belly flop into the sand, you're there to um, call the teacher. Very specific example. <laughs> it, it happened. <laughs> and um, yeah, you're, <laughs> you gotta be a role model, you know? Yeah. And uh, oh, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Her role model, uh, model of role model is being a you know upholding the family habits and the mm. ham- family name is your relationship with way. your sister like the one represented in the film is this movie about you short of it's, the cannibalism thing yeah i spoke to uh to the director i said hey julia can you um can you hook me up can you write my movie and she said yes or she said oui 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 bien sûr i said merci and then she was like, <laughs> do you two think if the comedy classic Animal House didn't exist in this universe, would this film have been called Animal House? Oh, nice. oh my That's God. Good. Yeah, mm? absolutely. Mm? Yeah. Or La Maison d'Animal. Or title. <laughs> La <Yes>. Maison d'Animal. <laughs> La Maison d'Animal. Um, yeah, Raw is a pretty good title, I think. Also, the the director, she says it's not a horror movie. She says it has horror elements or that she wanted to explore those ideas, but she doesn't consider it a horror film. What what does she consider it? She didn't say. Probably like a coming-of-age drama, maybe. Mm, A John Hughes film. Mm -hmm. Yeah, but I also think that at a certain point you just... You're like, yeah, whatever people say this is, this is what it is. It's a horror. It's also easier to sell it as a horror because it's... Mm -hmm. Got gore in it, and or is sexy right now? Yeah. Anyway, mm-hmm. but I guess that was 2016, which is a little different. But yeah, well, it's always been sexy. I feel like you know. Oh yeah. Horror, horror is yeah. Well, genre is just easy to sell as a concept because you're like, this is a horror film, and people already have a preconceived notion, mm-hmm. and they can go forward with it, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think what I mean is like in the last, pretty much like Get Out kind of sparked this new wave of horror mm. cinema and get out and kind of 
the Blumhouse, Insidious, the Conjuring franchises have like kind of just spurred the market again for for horror and like digestible horror. And I'm using air quotes here because it's just like, oh, it's a movie right. that we can see because we want to get scared in the cinema with my girlfriend or my boyfriend or my partner. And I just can snuggle up to them really close and and be all scared. I don't know where I'm going with this. But what I mean is that like Get Out, I feel, came out of that this horror boon and then it was like yeah let's make real horror this is real horror and then we've discovered what we can do with the genre itself and i feel like we've gotten mm-hmm. more kind of uh apt horrors in the most recent in more recent years since get out like us is another really good example uh from jo- jordan peele again but um just a little bit more cerebral and a little bit more um full of commentary and horror as a state of a state of mind a Babadook. in our own society. Yeah, and the Babadook as well. Babadook. I couldn't sit through the Babadook. Why? Because it was oh, too yeah. scary. Oh, it was too fucking scary. When a coat hanger out of focus looks like a little demon man with a top hat and tall nails, <laughs> get oh, yeah. the fuck away from me. Hell no. The opening sequence was mesmerizing, like that car accident, then oh. into her bed. Yeah. That whole like dream to real life yeah. was amazing. But yeah. no, that movie... There's so much visual sleight of hand. Get away. I don't know if people know this, but I hate watching horror movies alone. It is the worst. So Uh, I guess this was okay to watch raw because it's not a horror. Yeah. Well, I thought it was a horror, but I I wanted to ask, well, how did this film subvert horror then? If it's not a horror film, um, do we remember anything that really felt like it was sort of a... it It was in a different genre or it was a moment where it's like, this feels like a different film altogether. Do we, do we remember any moments like that? I'd say my general feeling was there was a lot of focus on interpersonal relationships, which mm. in classic horror, more so like Del from Slasher, we don't really get to know our characters and how they relate to each other. And right. this was more like we're focused on how the sisters feel about each other and how they relate and keeping a secret between the two of them. and Or, you know, like this horrible thing that we can only talk about together. And then a lot of, mm-hmm. you know, like sexual tension, which, yes, is quite prevalent in horror in general. But in this way was more just focused on, like, what Mike said about the insatiable urge of, you know, being young and horny, baby. <laughs> which um, was, yeah, less classic horror, which I feel like is sometimes used as a distraction or as a diversion or as a symbol of, like, these types of people will get killed. Yeah. Whereas mm. here it wasn't it wasn't that way. It was like the danger of watching them knowing that she could bite him to death or eat him to death or whatever. We know what she's capable of and we're not sure if he knows quite. That's a, yeah, I think that's a really good breakdown of it because it does focus. The characters didn't feel like tropes, Mm -hmm. you know, there wasn't like the athlete, the nerd, everyone was in the same boat, Mm -hmm. um, which was cool. It was a complex movie, I thought. And yeah, there was a lot of, Family drama and interpersonal drama. Mm-hmm. But there's still yeah. like that social aspect where she kind of felt like an outcast mm-hmm. uh, at first just because she was like young and, you know, was getting frosted. But then also um, felt like an outcast because she wanted to eat humans, mm-hmm. which is always awkward, you know? Yeah, exactly. Super awkward, yeah. Especially when you develop Creutzfeldt-Jakob disease, which is prevalent <laughs> in a lot of cannibalistic populations. It's like mad cow disease. Wait, what? 
When what, you what? eat human flesh, you're prone to uh, prions, which oh, prions are these cool, they're like sentient proteins that attack your body in a very general nutshell. Um, and oh. those are uh, what causes mad cow disease. And we see it in cannibal populations because eating human flesh is, is a pretty surefire way to transfer prions or to generate prions. And yeah. So do, do the prions go from the old flesh into your system if you yeah. ingest? I, I don't or, know exactly. Or does it make them? Um, oh. I'll look it up. That's so cool though. But yeah, that's, that's another major thing of like why we have to stop cannibalism because you're definitely going to get mad cow. Hmm. Wow. And is that why cows get mad cow? Ooh, I, I would have to get into the origin of mad cow and like prion oh. diseases within mad cows. But right. I don't want to quiz you too much here. No, it's I mean, okay. I mean, I'm going to look it up anyway, so. Oh, okay. Just, uh, great, great. But that's yeah. so, uh, that's so interesting. I had no idea. I thought eating... People was totally uh, like healthy and good for you. Oh no, big time. I now. guess not. Uh oh, yeah. I just I just was chowing down on a chicken finger. If you know what I mean. Oh I a, no! A scaredy cat's finger. I thought you were a vegetarian, Mike. Oh, I am a vegetarian. Yeah. Also, that's it's interesting because how how like creeped out or triggered or scared or whatever word you want to use uh, were you, Julia, by this movie? And like the and the animal stuff or the cannibalism stuff to kind of like I get I think about it a lot where it's like, well, if I'm vegan, like I'm ethically vegan mm-hmm. um, and kind of somewhat environmentally vegan. But it's and then I'm thinking like, oh, yeah, in vet school, I will have to see a lot of dead animals and have to like mm-hmm. deal with, you know, the ethics of euthanasia and things like that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, but for me, it's like. With this movie especially, it, it doesn't really gross me out when it's in medical settings or in teaching settings slash learning settings. Mm. With like eating meat, it's I haven't eaten meat in so long. Like 14 years, I think. Oh, wow. I have not eaten any beef, chicken, pork. I was like, when I started, I was kind of pescatarian for a bit, but I really only made, ate shrimp. And that's a totally di- different texture and mouthfeel than like... Uh, vertebrates other fish or i guess fish or vertebrates like beef and uh pork and stuff like that yeah these are slippery so, nugget yeah. yeah yeah it's different different mouthfeel different smell um but yeah i, I don't know i i wouldn't say i was really triggered by anything I'm, okay. I'm very tolerant of gore and viscera yeah so it was totally fine also because i i know quite well that that's it's not a real you know so I'm not really scared of it or triggered yeah. by it. But I think I feel like it's it's okay. In, like in the horse setting where they're sticking a tube down, I'm like, yeah, of course. Like we want to learn more about their digestive tract or see what they're kind of digesting and absorbing in there. So mm-hmm. naturally you're just going to stick a tube down a horse's throat to kind of get the nitty gritty. I, I, did, I did at one point watch this movie with a commentary like many years ago. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, uh, apparently that horse was tranquilized in real life. Oh. It was like, they gave the horse ketamine, but what happened Mm was, uh, I think in the movie they suggest that the horse died or something, or maybe it was just being tranquilized, but, um, they, they went to, it was at an an actual vet school or a veterinary school. So they basically just put the actors in the foreground and then filmed, Something oh, that like was actually, yeah, just filmed something like that was actual actually vets. happening. 
Yeah. Yeah. That's cool. Oh, cool. So it was done yeah. for actual medical it. reasons, and then they were like, "Yeah, you can film it. Why not?" Because like, yeah. how else would they get that short of tranquilizing a horse in in real life for a movie? Which is a wild, <laughs> a wild, wild department to have on a movie yeah. set. Couple production assistants all trying to figure out how to get Scrambling. into this. <laughs> 2,000 pound horse yeah. that's just not having it. And then they're like, okay, we got to get the, the crane and cinch it up and yeah. lift it. And then, oh, yeah. what a night. Yeah. Where do I get what a bad day ketamine. at the office. <laughs> Yikes. Was that your question? Did I answer your question? Me? I forgot. Yeah. Well, I have, a, I have a, a larger point that I'm arriving oh, at, okay, but I also sorry. wanted to point out that the other parts were clearly either like puppets or whatever, like the dog being cut in half was like, that oh, was yeah. clearly fake. And then also yeah. the, uh, yeah. The part where with where she had her hand in a uh, cow's vagina. Yeah, that's a real. Thing. Uh, that was clear. That was, but that was clearly a fake cow butt. But like you, the, you know, that's a thing that you would be taught in med in vet school. So yeah. it's like, yeah, that's fine. Like if but, you're going to be delivering cows, you gotta gotta get in there elbow deep. You know. Yeah, you do. Mm-hmm. Help that calf out. Uh, I would, the point that I was arriving at was that it was. Uh, it's interesting that Bob, the meat eater amongst us, is was the one who was kind of the most disturbed by the film. Mm-hmm. What is it saying, Bob? What is it saying? Join us. Join us. Join, join us, us. Join us. I'm definitely the biggest piece of shit here because, yes, I, I eat meat sometimes, and uh, I was nauseous through the whole film. So big big double standard over here. Yeah, I, I feel like um, when I became a vegetarian, I had to start cooking for myself. And when I started cooking for myself, only then did I realize and appreciate where food comes from. And I feel like just in our Western society, especially that we are kind of brought up in a way where food arrives at the grocery store pre-cut and or you can buy like frozen chicken nuggies or whatever. And it comes from somewhere and you just accept that it comes from the big machine in the sky. Whereas when you're a vegetarian or a vegan or what have you, you have to kind of really look into like, OK, where do I get my proteins and where do I get my other macros and whatnot to survive? So you're more in tune with what am I eating and where does it come from? Whereas I feel mm-hmm. like maybe meat eaters and this could be a, gen- a very bad assumption that I'm making, but you know, it's so commonplace that we don't even think about it anymore. So when it's the curtain is drawn back and we see where it comes from, it's like, Oh no, Oh no, I didn't want to know that. Maybe you blocked it out. That's hmm. what I'm saying. Interesting. I don't know. Yeah. Well, Bob, I didn't mean to put you on blast. I just, uh, just thought it was an, an interesting, uh, I guess, contrast. On blast? Well, yeah, I, I was going to bring it up myself. I oh, was you were? Be like, it's so interesting that I was horrified by this movie, and I also am the only one who eats meat. Yeah. Uh, yeah, It's really fascinating. Sure. And I'm sure that would be, you know, well, also, like, how common is it? This will be a question for the future, maybe, but, like, what, once you're in your veterinarian class, Julia, I wonder what the ratio it will be of meat eaters to vegetarians and vegans. I'd be so curious to see what the breakdown's like. Yeah, I'm curious too because um, yeah. currently in my – like I'm taking a bunch of animal health courses right now because applications for vet open on October 1st. So I'm right. like, oh, in the meantime, I might as well just take some animal health. It seems like a lot of people are very pro-meat, pro-eating meat and pro-agriculture because it's in the Department of Agriculture. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I feel like a yeah. lot of people are dairy farmers or they're like, yeah, I have chickens that lay eggs. I'm like, oh, what are your chickens' names? They're like, we don't name them. I'm like, okay. <laughs> okay. <laughs> we do not forge bonds with these we creatures. We only creatures. we eat their periods, sell their periods, and then cut yeah. their heads off. Exactly. Watch them dance. Or if, if they're male, they just throw them in the wood chipper. Oh, wow. Because mm-hmm. uh, they are useless. They only cause trouble and they don't lay eggs. 
But they're built their nature's alarm clock. Why would they throw away a perfectly good alarm clock? I don't know. It's a waste oh, of yeah. five bucks. I w- in my head, I was like, <laughs> a male chicken, can't you just eat one? But I realized that's a rooster. It's just like a different, kind of a different beast altogether. Yeah, because I don't know anything rather, about animals. They, they'd rather like keep a, a hen that they could potentially have a double use out of, of like you could be a, a meat eating or a eating hen or something. I think they do still eat roosters, but it's they don't keep as many male chicks because it's just a waste. So like yeah. if chicks are born yeah. male, they just throw them away. Oh man, bummer. Yeah. Feel throw like them away yeah. in the garbage. I feel like there's some yeah. sort of uh, dirty joke we're we're, we're missing here. Just throw the cock in the wood chipper. Boom. Yeah, that happened to you when you were a kid, right, Bob? It did. I barely made it out alive. <laughs> Wait, what happened? Here okay. I am. They had to glue me back together. I was just in little pieces, and it was a clerical error. The clerical error. Oh, somebody fired that clerk. Tell me. Somebody fired <laughs> mm-hmm. him. Mm-hmm. This was before, you know, like paper trails and such. It's a very, I have a very convoluted past. I don't want to get into it on here, you know. So, Julia. Yeah, what's up? Who is your favorite, like, horror baddie? Oh, Freddy Krueger. Mm-hmm. Freddy Krueger? I love that man. <laughs> uh. Uh, like, he's a horrible character. He's he's infinitely unlikable. Like, he's a pedophile. He's a horrible guy. He's the, <laughs> he's the son of a thousand rapists. Really? He's, yeah, there's a scene, I think it's... I think it's in Nightmare 4 where it shows his mother who's a nun at a, mm-hmm. an insane asylum. Like a, I don't know the, the name for them when it's an insane asylum, but they're also prisoners. Like a, the mental ward at a prison facility. Anyways, mm-hmm. she gets it kind of implies that she um, gets sexually assaulted by. Uh, oh, no, she, he's a by a thousand maniacs is the oh. is the catchphrase. So he's the son of a thousand maniacs, but it's implied that she's been impregnated unwill against her will oh geez i know a thousand times he's a horrible guy but like what what i love about freddy krueger is that he's so aware of what he's good at which is killing people and he's really good at catchphrases (laughs) and one-liners like he's so good welcome to prime time bitch yeah (laughs) and the tv on her head he's got he does have a charm considering his backstory for sure yeah, he's got like a, a levity to him that that is questionable. But like he he he's a chatter, and I love chatting. <laughs> and he's just so he's so funny. His existence just oh, it just brings me joy. Even though I like he's horrible. I feel like a terrible person for liking Freddy Krueger. But I feel like of all the people to be killed by in a slasher, it would be Freddy. Well, also, he kills people in cool ways, too. Like That, too. The, the, Very cool. the, the kills, as they call it, um, mm-hmm. in, in the horror films, are, yeah, cool, generally. Like, he's yeah. got cool special effects. Like, he turns the stairs into goo. He's mm. like a snake guy. Mm, love it. Yeah. Yeah, and, like, there's a scene in Dream Warriors, which I think is the third, um, where he uh, takes a kid... A kid's veins as marionette strings in a uh. dream. Yeah. And then like kind of puppets him around until he rips him in half or something like that. I can't uh-huh. remember what the finale is of that, but like so creative because I think we have that aspect of dream world that we can mm-hmm. get, like we can defy the laws of physics and the laws of um, what we understand wor- the world to be. 
Yeah. And I just find that so fun. I think he's such a fascinating man. Which is the one where he breaks out of the dream reality and is like walking around in the real world. And then like he goes to that pool party. Oh, I think that's four. Yeah. Because some of the Freddy Krueger movies take themselves very seriously. And some of them are like, this is, this is kind of like a fun, fun dip into the universe. Yeah. I think, yeah, some of them take themselves so seriously. Like, I feel like the first one was the entry point and very experimental and just unlike any horror I've ever seen, I think, just with like all of the practical effects and whatnot. And then the second one was a little bit heady and people didn't really quite get it. But the third one is when it hit its stride and and got and the third one has a nice balance of like really, really scary deaths and like scary situations. But the hilarity of of uh, Kruger's lines really, really gets me. And then, yeah, so, like, the second one is very serious, but then we have, a, like, a towel scene where they're, like, slapping each other's asses with a towel into the, until they're red. <laughs> and and then it's supposed to be serious, but, yeah. What are your thoughts on New Nightmare, the, the like, the sequel, oh, the meta-sequel that kind of came out in the mid-90s? Oh, I like that one. Yeah, where <laughs> it takes place in the real world where Wes Craven directed these movies and Freddy Krueger is a fictional character, but then also isn't a fictional character. He's real. Yeah. He's real. Well, how does that work? How did Wes Craven get the idea for him? Did he conjure him as an idea? And somehow like surreptitiously, there was the actual embodiment of this character. I think that's what's implied. Something like that. Anyway, it's like Freddy is so bad. We thought he was just fictional, but in, yeah. in reality, He's real, bitch. Also, Johnny Depp is in the first one. I had mm-hmm. no idea. Yeah. yeah. Really he cute. plays Glenn Lance. I'm going to watch this movie. It looks he has like a really a good, good time. death, too, Bob. It's like yeah. in the bed. He's wearing a yeah. crop top the whole time. Yeah. It, into it. It is, it's very it is a classic. Um, uh, yeah. I think part of what makes uh, Freddy Krueger, at least the first one, good is because there's like they give you just enough backstory for it to be creepy, but then you never know uh, much more about it. Like I watched Hellraiser two last week, oh, and yeah. um, I love Hellraiser one because it's, like the special effects are cool, the the idea is really good, but mm-hmm. then in the second one, I mean, they doubled down on all of the special effects, and um, you get to go to hell, and like it's a visual feast. But they also uh, give you a lot of backstory about all the Cenobites and all of, they just give you, there's a lot of canon established and it's like, it kind of wrecks the whole thing because you're like, who are these Cenobites? They're kind of crazy, crazy looking in there. They're weird. Like this guy's got pins in his head and then they Mm -hmm. kind of like break it down and you get to see them in their original human form and it's kind of disappointing. Oh, interesting. Yeah, yeah, I haven't seen any of the Hellraisers, but canon in general, that's kind of what you're asking about? Yeah, just like in the Freddy Krueger movie, like, does it make, as the movies go on and they establish more about Freddy Krueger, does that make him better? Or is it kind of better when we only know so much about Fred Krueger? I'm a sucker for background, especially okay. for, like, background on characters. I feel like it gets to a point um, where some people, J.J. <laughs> Abrams, will go too far mm-hmm. with, like, a backstory and make it all about the backstory and forget that there's plot going on. And then I find also with the nightmare films in general, it's less about, you know, plot. And I feel like over the the sequels, mm-hmm. I guess, of of Nightmare, it kind of tries, it attempts at some background here and there, but it's very loosely sprinkled, I would yeah. say. 
And I think, you know, that that's enough for me. I feel like in these types of films, especially you're not watching it for the characters. You're watching it just for the creative deaths and the special effects. And for me, in my case, Freddy's one-liners. He's, he has iconic fashion, too. Yeah. Also, I own a sweater of that. Uh, oh, really? The Freddy Krueger sweater, but it was a child sweater because it's cheaper by ten dollars. Hmm. Wow! Oh, spirit of Halloween. Nice. Mm-hmm. It just has a really small head hole, so I have to like really squeeze my head through. But it was cheaper. It's great, great purchase. I wear it just you know every day. All I year. don't wear it every day. I wear it um, day to day. Is what I meant to say, and um, <laughs> just makes me feel makes me feel uh, happy. I feel yeah, like also in terms of canon. Too like we kind of find out about the son of a of a, a thousand maniacs later on, and it doesn't really add much to it. It's like yeah, we know he's bad. We don't have to. We don't have to know how bad. Now I now I was on the fence before, but now I I really think he's bad. Yeah, exactly. The issue with franchising is there are so many characters that. When they're initially shown, we know so little about them, and that's why they're captivating. It's the mystery that's interesting. Yeah. And then as soon as you flesh those details out, the mystery's gone, and therefore, so is the interest, right? Yeah. And that that's that's a huge issue. You know, that's why like people loved the Dark Knight with the Joker because they're like, "Who the fuck is this guy? We don't know anything about him, and he's just the thematic antithesis to the protagonist." Yeah. It just totally. worked in a storytelling way, mm-hmm. and you know, like. Uh, uh, Freddy Krueger is like that. He's just like, oh, he's the embodiment of your irrational fears mm-hmm. and will kill you. That's literally all you need to know. You don't need yeah. to know that he also has like two mortgages and the IRS is after him and yeah. he dropped out of high school. And, you know, that those details don't matter. Yeah. You know, he's on the rocks with his dad. Like they have a rough relationship. Yeah. He wanted to be a dental hygienist and never made it happen whatever you know those details are useless yeah truly i think it's more Uh, can you tell i'm writing fan fiction right now yeah (laughs) i I was gonna ask what the title was because it's oddly specific sometimes i feel like with canon it's better left to the sidelines where you can read about it and then when you watch your enjoyment is either enriched by Mm -hmm. it or you're put off by it like i'm a big star wars fan as some people might know and what I love mm-hmm. about those movies is that there's so much, so much other stuff that you could look into and you can get to know like, oh, I know the, these Jedi Council members in Phantom Menace. I can point them out and tell them my name, but that's not important at all to plot and it doesn't really matter. But it just makes you feel special that you know a little bit more than the average bear would. <laughs> but yeah, yeah, like in terms of Nightmare, like especially in the first one, it's a lot about just like mystery and who the hell is this guy or is it even a guy is it a force of nature that just wants to kill for killing's sake Mm -hmm. and well really he's like avenging his uh his own life because he was uh, thrown into a furnace by the parents of the elm street kids that were being killed and well you know because he was a pedophile that he did horrible things and all this killing is an act of revenge or vengeance yeah, he's a bit of an outsider. I don't like the character in Raw. Oh, yeah. Common theme in horror. Bad guys are outsiders? You know? Question mark. Yeah. They can be. I mean, they can psycho, be, especially demons. The psycho guy. Oh, big time. Oh yeah. Psycho Anthony guy. Perkins. 
Yeah. And yeah. Um, Midsommar? Jason? Midsommar? Well, Midsommar was kind of the opposite. Like, they are the outsiders. Well, it's all about perspective in Midsommar, I think. Because hmm, it's like the, the cult itself seems bad to the outsider, but to the cult, the outsiders are the ones that are bad. Yes. Except for Dan. Mm. Because she's the one that's kind of willing to give in to, or willing to change and um, be open, I think. That's what I love about about Mid, about Danny's character is like she's she's just she's ready to just like take some mushrooms, dance around a pole, watch these things. She's ready to experience experience emotions that she wasn't able to back at home. Yeah. And she's not bad, but like her boyfriend, all of his friends, they're all bad people to the yeah. cult. But the cult also seems like a a wild group of a wild gang of folks who are just traveling around, pushing things off, pushing people off of cliffs and whatnot. <laughs> that old song and dance. <laughs> mm, exactly. Quite literally. Well, is Jaws. Jaws Jaws is an outsider in that he or she, I think it's a she. Yeah, wait, mm. we yeah, we watched Jaws 3D and it is established that it's a she. It's a, it's okay. a mommy shark. Mama. Bruce. Do 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 mommy shark. Do 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 do. So it's um yeah, that shark is not really an outsider because, well, I mean, it is an outsider because it's not a human, I guess. So there you go. It's the fear of the other. Mm-hmm. But yeah. shark, the, the shark don't Dennis know better. Quaid. Oh, Dennis Quaid is in Jaws 3? 3D, yeah, he is. He's the, he's the male lead. Oh. I'm talking oh, yeah. about, Shre- I'm talking about, I almost said Shrek one. I'm talking. <laughs> I know. I don't know why. It's just. You always habit. talk about Shrek. <laughs> <laughs> it always comes back to Shrek, doesn't it? I was talking yeah. about Jaws uh, one. You always bring it back to Shrek. You should call this podcast from Justin to Shrek. Oh, we definitely should. Or Shrek Tastic. Oh fuck. We should yeah, maybe we should change it. And then just leave the poster as is. It's or just add poster. older ears to everything. Oh, we could do that. We could do that. We have we talked about Shrek in every episode? Probably. I feel like it comes point. up at least once, yeah. Mike loves yeah. Shrek. Let this be known, listeners. Oh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, I who do. doesn't? Let's be honest. But also, nobody loves Shrek like Mike. I think Shrek Fest was canceled this year. Of course what? it was. Uh, I just read that. Yeah. You don't want to die of COVID and be like. Dressed he, as Shrek. He, yeah, he died dressed as Shrek. Nobody wants that. Yeah. You'll be in the hospital room I, attached to a respirator painted mm-hmm. green. Some people might want that, honestly. That's, That's true. when they're like, they're happiest is doing Shrek cosplay. <laughs> uh, who knows? Yeah. You know what I mean? Those people. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I might be one of those people. Anyways, it doesn't matter. As Halloween approaches, um, yeah, will we see a bigger spike in COVID cases because people will be partying inside their house because it's cold and they have they feel like compelled by ritual to have Halloween parties instead of saying, you know what, I'm going to sit this year out. For sure. I think that's a guarantee. Yeah. I think so too. And there's a lot of talk. Halloween's very special in my family, but there's a lot of talk of like, how are we going to orchestrate trick-or-treaters yeah. with COVID? And yeah, just it's adjusting to that too. It's considered a high-risk activity, trick-or-treating. Mm-hmm. But there's talk um, about like leaving a candy bowl out for the kids to just take their own candy at will. And then assume, assumedly you would sterilize all your candy at the end of the night before your kid touches it. Yeah. Like, yeah, I think, I definitely think there's going to be a spike because people are stupid by nature mm-hmm. and um, people are going to congregate no matter what, but um, I don't plan to do that as a, as a human being. I have seen just recently um, 
that what a lot of people are doing is dressing up as ghosts. Yeah. Just like taking ghost selfies because it's a pretty like safe way of covering your mouth from droplet transmission. Mm-hmm. Cause it's like a bed sheet with two eye holes. So people are just really into taking ghost selfies and I think it'll carry on to the spirit of Halloween. Well, it'll, mm. it'll be interesting to see if people still protest masks in the context of like a Halloween party. Like they refuse to wear a mask. Uh, yeah. but they're like also going to a Halloween party where masks are encouraged because yeah. it's like spooky. <laughs> like that's yeah. like a little puzzle people have to wrap their heads around if they're, if they're all about that freedom, that sweet, sweet freedom. Um, so we can draw this to a close, but one more question. Do you know what you're going as for Halloween? Um, I have been plotting to go as either Guy Fieri or his oh, nice. sandwich. <laughs> What what is, oh, this is a couple's costume? Just he yeah, because Jesse and I both love Guy Fury. Mm, um, praise be to Guy. I, I love that man. He's such a good-hearted man. I could I could wax poetic about Guy Fury all day, but I won't because that's not what this podcast is about. But um, he just loves sandwiches. Like his his Instagram is all about like knuckle sandwich. Mm-hmm. He leaves these two emojis all the time, it's just like a fist and a sandwich. <laughs> So he'll just often respond to people with just like fist sandwich emoji. That's fun. That's the name of his production company, I think. It's called Knuckle Sandwich Productions. <laughs> oh. oh, I love it. Oh, my God. That's yeah. a great uh, costume. That's fucking awesome. Thanks. Yeah. yeah. I, many come to me, but right now that's what I'm, I've am i been kind of thinking about a lot. But we'll see. Yeah. With resources and school going on and whatever else I'm up to this month. Yeah. Would you, would, you'd be so, you're saying you'd be so pleased if you died and went to heaven and the first people to greet you was Guy Fieri and Freddy Krueger? Yeah. That's They're like, what welcome. Exactly. And you'd be like, oh my gosh. Look, it's <laughs> I'm my, in heaven. It's my buddies. Well, well Fred, Freddy Krueger would say, welcome, bitch. And then um, Guy <laughs> Fieri would, would be like, uh, would give me some sauce yeah. and magically, you know, some sort of sandwich or fries or something would appear in my head. So you'd be like, you put this sauce on a flip flop. I'd be like, oh, I'm, I've made it. Here I am. That's great. Here it is. Yeah. Uh, cool. Well, thanks so much uh, for being on our pod. Thanks for having me, you two. It was I'm a so, lot of fun. I'm so tickled that I got to be a part of this beautiful podcast. And thanks for sharing your uh, expertise. It's nice to have people on this show who know something because Mike and I don't know anything. Yeah, we know nothing. So it's huge help to have people come on and they're like, oh, I actually know some things about this specific subject we're talking about yeah between Um, the two of us we have one bachelor degree oh wow yeah ugh, yeah and mike loves bringing up that most of it is his (laughs) most Um, of it (laughs) (laughs) 99.97 i sure took two courses okay what'd you take um I took uh, psychology and sociology, 103 and 101. And then I started introductory to Roman history and film studies 101. And then I dropped out of those two courses and uh, started this podcast with Mike. So, you know, things are going really well yeah. for me. Yeah. You were it's like, you, you, you said out loud, podcasting is the way to the future. That's how I'm going to make my money. And you shot your student guns. loans <laughs> when you can work for free. Yeah, exactly. Boom. Um, yeah, it's thank you wrong. so much, Julia. No problem. This was great. Uh, and 
happy Halloween. I, I I hope this Halloween is a good one for you, and I'm sure it'll be weird, like it will be for everyone. But I, yeah. I hope you enjoy it and can still enjoy a lot of the traditions that you have. Thank you so much. Yeah, I hope to still you know pumpkin carve and make a bunch of pumpkin things, and of course decorate just for me because yeah. Let's be honest, that's part of the the spirit of Halloween. Mm-hmm. Hashtag sponsor. Hashtag yeah. ad. <laughs> <laughs> and yeah, so you can use the promo code from Justin DeCane at the Spirit of Halloween website. Just see what it happens. <laughs> Most likely you won't get any sort of discount, but maybe Just you will. Just type it in. Just type gamble. it in. If anything, the person doing their computer coding will be like, why do people keep typing from Justin DeCane? And then they'll look it up and then they'll listen and then they'll become fans. So then you'll yeah, be viral. another subscriber. Yeah. So thanks for the viral marketing people for doing that for us yeah, thank by you just Spirit typing that um <laughs> is there you. anything you want to promote not really i don't really have anything going on i'm i'm really just in school and trying to finish up product projects so that i can just focus on school <laughs> if you want to troll my instagram or twitter i'm at julia the grouch very likes my way that's uh, that's about it. Yeah, thanks a lot for being on the pod and uh, and all of your insight and your both into animal medicine and also movies. Thank you so much for having me. It was a it was a blast. And like you were literally the perfect guest. I mean, you knew about every subject we had to throw at you. You knew lots about Freddy Krueger, the film Raw, what it takes to be a veterinarian, why you shouldn't eat people, and Shrek. You literally yeah. had it all. Well, you know, That's I amazing. did my homework. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. What can I say? You I'm sure a student. Did. And we'll we'll have you on again uh, for our episode one uh, episode because I know how much <gasps> you love Jar Jar. I love Phantom Menace so much. Oh yeah, I'm so honored. Um, yeah, I'm I'm there. I'm yours. Just give awesome. me a date and time, and I'll be there. <laughs> Thanks, everyone. This has been uh, from Justin to Kane. Uh, We had Julia on this week, and uh, we'll catch you next week. Uh, I've been Bob, and I'm Mike. Bye. Bye. Bye.